Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. This week's chat with European Tour CEO Keith Pelley is sponsored by Ogio. You've heard me talk about the great golf bags and backpacks that Ogio offers. But did you know they make polos as well? And did you know those polos are a part of a big President's Day sale over at Ogio? And did you know that you should go to Ogio.com and check out the selection and save some dough? Oh, you didn't know these things. Well, now you do. Ogio has slashed the pricing on some of their polos and lightweight jackets as much as 50%. So give it a look and upgrade your gear in your closet. Ogio.com. O-G-I-O.com right now. And of course, the big talk around the world of golf. We have a new number one, Dustin Johnson. A big winner at Riviera. Really was kind of a snoozer if you think about it. The way he went on to win. It was a little back-to-back with Pebble Beach being the Jordan Spieth show and this week being the Dustin Johnson show. But now he is number one in the world, and you think about his calendar year, four wins, including his first major championship at the U.S. Open, PGA Player of the Year, second kid on the way, now world number one. And I have to say, I think we underrate Dustin Johnson. It's crazy to think that when you're talking about the world number one, but it always seems that the conversation surrounds Rory, Jason, and Jordan, and then you throw in a cast of characters from here and there. If you think back to this time last year, Ricky Fowler coming off that win in Abu Dhabi. You know, he nearly wins the waste management. I wrote a piece. I said, Ricky Fowler is part of the big four now. I threw him in with, with Rory and Jordan and Jason. Said, Ricky's here. He's arrived. He had that great major season a couple of years ago. He wins early in 2016. And it looked like we would see a year of Ricky. And it didn't happen. And again, we forget about a guy. Dustin Johnson, 32 years old. And what does he do? He wins golf tournaments, and he dominates the PGA Tour. 13 PGA Tour wins. He's won at Pebble Beach, Crooked Stick, Riviera, Oakmont, Doral, Firestone. Maybe it's his demeanor or how easy he makes it look. He doesn't ever really say anything that makes much of a headline. Doesn't normally proclaim goals to the public in a big press conference like a lot of other greats do. I mean, he walks, he meanders around the golf course. His demeanor just gives off this this feeling of ease, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe he's just... He's, he's too easygoing to dominate a headline or, you know, spike a, a radio show. But Dustin is incredible, and we should talk more about this guy. Think, look at this. Since strokes gained um, have been around and really have become our, our monitor on how good players are, 2012, he was 7th on tour. 2014, he was 10th. 2015, 8th. 2016, 2nd. Currently, 1st on the PGA Tour and strokes gained. We speak a lot about players and their brands and what they're trying to bring to the sport, especially with golf. I mean, you see Jordan Spieth, you know, going to, to Japan to to put out this new Under Armour shoe. You know, good for him. I mean, that's impressive. Rory, Jason, they make these incredible Nike commercials. Dustin doesn't do a lot of that, but he has been, I would say, the most consistent player over the last few years. And I think that when he wins the second major, which it sure looks like it's going to happen in 2017. I mean, he's got a great track record at Augusta. Of course, he, he can play any U.S. Open venue and British Open venue, really any venue. I mean, I, you, you, I, I listed off some of the places he's won before. But when you think about a guy like this and how dominant and how impressive he is, really through the back. I mean, his putting is underrated. His ball striking is underrated. Even his driving is underrated, I think. Just how consistently straight he hits the ball considering the club head speed and how much he has. I mean, you heard players speak about it during some of the PGA Tour live coverage. They were just saying, when you play with Dustin, you get impressed with how straight he can hit the golf ball. And I thought you saw a lot of that 
at Riviera. Really a, a walk-in win for him. And now he's number one, and he, and he passes Jason Day. And the year continues. 2017 has been great. It started with Matsuyama and Justin Thomas. We've had a Spieth win. We've had Sergio win across the pond. Now we have Dustin winning. All of this with nothing really happening from Jason Day and Rory McIlroy still injured despite the no-laying-up report that he played a little bit of golf with Donald Trump this past weekend, which is good news. Even if you're not a Trump fan, it's good news because any golf news involving Rory McIlroy swinging a golf club is good. So we are gearing up. We are getting closer and closer to the first major championship. We're getting to the Florida swing and so many positive storylines happening. Uh, A couple of things. First... The PJ Tour Champions event this weekend, won by Fred Couples, was called the Chubb Classic. And I just feel like that has to be the most perfect name for a PGA Tour Champions event of all time. The Chubb Classic. Really, if you think about it, if you told a friend of yours you had tickets to the Chubb Classic, they would have to know it's a PGA Tour Champions event. They might call it the Senior Tour or the Champions Tour, whatever they call it. They might not even know what the name of the tour is. But I just feel like it really... Uh, it, it fits in with that tour perfectly. So uh, congrats to Chubb, really, if you think about it, the brand, because I feel like they found their calling, and it was really impressive. And Fred Couples won it, so it brings a little bit more fanfare. John Daly hit a golf shot with his full shoes on, and he was completely submerged underwater with his feet. So that happened. So really, it was, a, it was an exciting event over there as well. A couple of things before we get to our interview with Keith Pelly, which was great. He's, he's doing a lot of fun stuff over on the European Tour. Two things. One, I've had a lot of people ask about clubhouse koozies. I've got a lot left. I've sent out some to some fans that have asked me for some. What we're going to do starting this week is if you follow us at the clubhouse pod on Twitter, we're going to have anybody and everybody submit a person they think will win the PGA Tour event this week. All we ask is that you put the event name. So this week would be, of course, the Honda Classic. You put your winner's name and a final score prediction. So you can put you know, 15 under, 19 under, whatever, and use the hashtag ClubhouseChamp. If you don't use all of these things, I'm not going to be able to find you. That's really the whole point of doing this. So tournament name, player name you think is going to win, final score, and the hashtag ClubhouseChamp, and I will pick one person that gets it correct and the person that's closest or nails the score, and I'll be sending you a Clubhouse koozie. If you already have a Clubhouse koozie, I'll find something else in my little golf room that I can send you if you win. But then we'll do that every week. It'll be a fun way to get those koozies out there, plus it'll be a little bit of a contest. Speaking of contest, if you haven't signed up for the Clubhouse newsletter, we are giving away a Callaway Epic driver this week to someone that has signed up for the newsletter. So go to my Twitter page, at Shane Bacon, and sign up for the Clubhouse newsletter. The link is pinned right atop my page there. We will pick somebody on Friday and give away a Callaway Epic driver. The driver is unbelievable. I've had it in my bag now for about three weeks. And I love it. So I hope you love it as well. And good luck to anybody out there that's doing it. Follow us on Twitter at Shane Bacon. Follow the Clubhouse Pod at the Clubhouse Pod. We've got a lot of stuff to give away over the next few weeks and months. We've got some Arby's head covers. I've got the new Tiger book to give away. We've got some koozies. We've got a driver. Who knows? Might have some OGO gear. That'll all come. But I think that's enough. Dustin Johnson, world number one. I think it's time to get to the great conversation I had with the European Tour CEO, Keith Pelly. And we welcome into the Clubhouse European Tour CEO, Keith Pelly. I've been excited to talk to you for quite a while. And uh, you're down in Perth, Australia right now, uh, wrapping up an event that has been really, I would say, headline-making. And headline-making because I feel like it was a bit of a surprise to the golf world knowing that the event was going to have this type 
of schedule. How have the fans down there taken it so far? Well, I think they've really, Shane, you know, they've really embraced it. And, and the PGA Tour of Australasia and the Western Australian government came to us with this idea of doing the World Super Sixes. And we obviously jumped on the opportunity to be their partners. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Australia has a bit of a history with innovation in sport because they they really got behind uh, cricket uh, 2020 and, and were uh, instrumental in supporting that and making that such a a key part of the uh, the cricket uh, world now, and and this this event has uh, has certainly garnered a lot of attention not only uh, down here but but uh, globally in the golf world, and and everyone is uh, is is obviously excited about the thought of playing in some some different formats and and uh, but but one of the things I think Shane that makes it so interesting is. It makes Friday obviously critical based on the cut, the first cut. Then it makes the second day very critical uh, based on a, a cut to 24 because 24 players uh, you know, played on Sunday. And then the final, the final day is just unbelievable in terms of the uh, the excitement with a six-hole uh, shootout and and every shot and every uh, match matters. Yeah, it was something I was going to dive into. I read your interview with Alan Shipnuck, and if people haven't checked it out, make sure you go. Uh, check it out on golf.com. But, you know, something you mentioned that I found as a golf fan um, interesting and really eye-opening is the the battle of Thursdays and Fridays. And basically the idea is, you know, for casual sports fans, Thursday and Friday don't really mean much. And it's hard to really care about those two days when they're just basically setting up the event. And so is this phase one of, of, of an attempt to change the way those days are played since they're half of a golf tournament? Well, I, I think uh, you know the way that people have the uh, the way that people have and and as much opportunities as people have to uh, to consume content and and the saturation of of, of sports and content out there uh, in order in order for for you to cut through all the different choices, then you have to have something meaningful. And you know what was it was an interesting conversation I had with my fourteen year old son just. Just the other day when he uh, when I asked him to come in and you know do you want to watch a little bit of the golf and he said you know dad it's Thursday you know it, it's you know I'll come back and watch it on uh, on Sunday and and it was uh, it really hit home and and it's it's true with you're always you know the majors the the WGCs our, our upcoming Rolex series uh, all all there's no question that those Thursdays and Fridays will be a little bit more hyped and very important as they set up for the weekend. But, but your other events and, and outside of some of the national opens, I think it's critical that we make Thursday and Friday and we look at making them more meaningful and, and how we do that. Well, I think that's something that that we certainly are going to look at in the, uh, in the coming months and try to figure out how we can make Thursday and Friday for a, for a tournament that perhaps doesn't have the prestige of the of the Masters of the Open Championship more meaningful to our fans, and that they'll care more about it. And 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 what that is, uh, you know, Shane, that's we'll look for as many ideas and many suggestions as we possibly can get. But there's no question that uh, uh, that we need to actually look at that Thursday and Friday uh, those events and uh, and make them enticing for not only. Uh, uh, golf fans, but but people that are just coming into the sport and getting a chance to uh, for them to uh, uh, to get excited about the Thursdays and Fridays. 
Well, you know, you know, when you brought this up in in the Q and A you did with Alan, you know, I again, I, it was it was kind of eye opening for me because, uh, you know, as a golf writer and somebody that's followed it in media for a while, you know, a Thursday story can sometimes be story of the week. I mean, Sam Saunders, you know, doing it at Riviera, and of course, you can bring it back to Arnold Palmer's grandfather, and and you know, you'd have John Daly randomly have a great first round, you know, back in '06 or '08, and of course, that's the story really of your week, even if he didn't continue the play. So. I guess as a consumer of it, it's not, you know, as surprise. I guess it's a little bit more surprising than for fans. But, you know, I, I look at the Ryder Cup, and this is something that comes up, I'm sure, with you a lot. The Ryder Cup is an event that every day really matters, and I think that has to be part of the popularity. Well, I, I, think, I think we're in this day and age now where there is so much out there that, that you, you, you definitely need something that uh, – that gets people to tune in for, you know, people care about things that are important. And, and that's why, you know, a Sunday, a Sunday, like, like we saw at the Olympics with Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson, or like we saw at the open championship with Mickelson and, and Henrik Stenson was spectacular because it mattered. It was critical. It was important, but nobody was actually rushing and talking about or getting it, getting excited to see a Thursday or Friday just in a, in a regular event. And that's something that I think we have to look at because it's, it's completely different than it was 20 and 30 years ago when there wasn't as many choices out there. And when you look at the younger generation and all the different ways that they can consume content and the choices that they have to consume content, in order for us to cut through and in order for us to actually matter to them, it needs it needs to be meaningful, and that's that's just my my point. And 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 I think we need to think more than just from a, an entertaining perspective and from a from an industry perspective. We need to think more than Thursday and Fridays is just a setup for Sunday. And that's just that's just uh, our observation. And when you actually look and study the the engagement and the television numbers, it's it's pretty obvious. Thursdays and Fridays aren't as big as is Saturdays and Sundays. And and so we need to uh, we need to address that I think as an industry. Yeah, and and I was going to ask you a little bit about the Olympics just because as somebody that's involved and talks, you know, through the ideas and such with a lot of the governing bodies, you know, it was an interesting approach I think. And and I I do believe the Olympics, the golf Olympics were saved by a great final round. You've even mentioned it already. It was exciting. The final round was great. But I feel like a lot of people headed into the Olympics last year were confused at why they were doing a 72-hole stroke play event. And, and I just ask you, if, say, the final round's an eight-stroke win for Henrik Stenson, are people that into it, and are they questioning the format again, or are we really more saved by a great final round, and that's what made the Olympics what it was? Uh, you know, it's an excellent question, because... You, you definitely had two icons and two great ambassadors, great role models in, in, uh, in Stenson and Rose. And Rose couldn't have been, uh, either one would have been just an incredible Olympic champion. And the way that uh, Rose has embraced it is a true testament to himself and has been great for the actual movement. But um, that's a very good question. And, and I, I don't know uh, what the answer is because fortunate enough uh, for, for all of us, uh, Henrik or Justin didn't win by eight, and it came to uh, an incredible uh, up and down by Justin on the last hole, which which made it very exciting. But uh, again, that's uh, that's that's something here when you actually look at the World Super Sixes here and and our event that we're creating called the Golf Sixes, which is just uh, a Saturday Sunday event coming up in 
uh, in May 6th and 7th. It's, it's about something that is incredibly engaging for the fans, and it's impossible for somebody to win by seven or eight strokes because every single match matters. You're only playing six holes. Every shot matters. Uh, and uh, and I, th- I think at the end of the day, that's what this is all about, is creating as much excitement as we can throughout the entire calendar year, not just on the actual uh, big events, uh, like the uh, the majors and the uh, and our uh, our upcoming Rolex series and the WGCs and such. Yeah, you mentioned cricket earlier. You mentioned Australian bracing cricket, and of course, you know you have you know the first class cricket would you know it can last five days for goodness sakes, and of course you had the limited overs that's just a day long. Do you see do you see a professional golf or, or golf around the European Tour having a, almost two lanes here, one that's traditional seventy two hole events, and then maybe you know five, ten weeks at some point being kind of a different shortened version for a different audience? Absolutely. I definitely uh, see that as a distinct possibility. There is no question there will always be the 72-hole tournament. We'll always honor the tradition. We'll always honor the integrity of the game. The majors will always be a 72-hole tournament. Many of the national openings, many of the big events will be, but there needs to be a different format. There needs to be something else that engages a different generation. And that is absolutely critical for, I believe, the growth of our game globally. And, and to engage more people, younger audience, then you need something that is quicker, that is faster, that is, in fact, immediate gratification. Because that's obviously what the younger generation deals with on a day-to-day basis through all their social media platforms. So there is no question whatsoever that I think we have to adapt as, a, as an industry, but at the same time, honor the tradition and, and all of the, uh, the magic that has made the game so great and the history will always be a pivotal part of it. But if you're not prepared and if you are not prepared in any type of business, whether it be a sports business or any type of other business, prepared to change and prepared to adapt as society is changing, then you risk, you risk the possibility of falling behind. And I think that it is on all of us that work in the golf business is to, is to modify and to look for some changes that can garner a different audience. And that is not to say in any such way that it will take away from the game because we will honor that the, the integrity. But at the same time, you have to look at entertaining and entertainment at the forefront of every decision you make going forward. And I, and I, and I do believe that, that as I said, we're going to make some mistakes. We're going to try some different things. And as an industry, we shouldn't be afraid of trying that. We should be doing that. And, you know, I, I applaud what, uh, what has happened on the, uh, on the PGA Tour with, with the waste management and that unbelievable success of the 16th hole. And now the actual match play is happening at Zurich. And we're trying the, uh, the golf sixes. And, and, and we're having this exciting event here in Australia. So I, I believe that, that the industry needs to change. It needs to be innovative while at the same time honoring the tradition. Yeah, and you've talked a lot about being in the entertainment business. And something that I've noticed even before hearing you say that is the the entertaining players, I feel like, that surround the game now. And it's not just uh, personality-wise. I mean, you know, you have a Rory McIlroy who demands attention simply because he's so brilliant on the golf course. But, I mean, Andrew Johnston, who is a different type of character that fans have embraced and loved. Do you feel like the players... Are, are, are getting it more now as well, knowing that they have to adapt and have a personality and show that personality to the fans so that they can attach to that player and thus making them more popular as well? 
I think they do. I really do. And, and having worked with professional athletes for the better part of the last 30 years, I think golf golfers are special. You know, they, they, uh, they certainly, uh, have embraced it. We have, we have, uh, we've spent so much time developing a, a digital strategy and working with the players, creating very strong, innovative content. And, and we've done that by, by looking at us as being in the entertaining entertainment business first with golf as our, as our platform. And, and what's, uh, what's, what the players have is completely embraced it, whether it be the awkward reporter, whether it be <laughs> little big interviews, that was nothing short of spectacular with, with Rory, whether it was our mannequin video, which I, I still get dumbfounded in the fact that the players were, were, you know, all gave up their time to do that. Oh, it was yeah, unbelievable. They, they, it. they, they, they they've, they've really, really enjoyed it. And, and all I've said to all of our digital people is let your imagination run wild, unleash your creative ideas as much as you possibly can. This is golf. This is sport, right? This is, we're not saving lives. We're entertaining. And, and we've got incredible characters in our great game and incredible personalities. And when you've got role models like Rory McIlroy and you've got great characters like Andrew Beef Johnson that want to participate in it and want to actually uh, uh, understand that their sport and to, to bring it even further forward, it needs to be entertaining, uh, uh, is, is terrific. These guys, these guys have incredible skill and, and people – People certainly can, uh, you know, if anybody that's played golf uh, can have the appreciation for any of the pros because they do things that our mere mortals can't even do. But beyond the actual skill, they're great personalities. And when you combine the two, the great athletic skill with the entertaining personalities, you have an incredible recipe for success in our sport. Yeah, and I've heard you talk a lot about uh, you know the, the the changing of the schedule, what 2018 might look like. One thing that I've been interested in, especially to hear from somebody like you in the position you're in, is the on course experience for fans. Because you know, I always say that golf is the hardest sport to go watch as a spectator because you know you don't look at the football field or the soccer pitch or the baseball field right in front of you. You've got 18 fields. You know, I mean, Rory could be on five, Thomas Peters could be on 18. And that you know that's a long ways away from each other. Are you looking at the fan experience that actually go to these events and trying to find ways to make their experience better and more like it would be if they were at home watching on TV? Oh, I think you have to. I I really believe that you have to. If you look at it as a golf event, then then I think I think you're making a mistake. You have to look at it as a as an overall event. You know, people only come to events. You know, there, there's only really, at the end of the day, uh, three to four types of fans. There's the, there's the diehards, which in our particular game, there's not as many uh, of, of pure diehards as there is because, because of, of, the, uh, of the, the cheering for their individual teams in other sporting events. There are diehards, but there needs to be more of them. Uh, the, the other type uh, of fan is the bandwagon jumpers, which, again, Based on it not being a team event, there's not a lot of bandwagon jumpers in our sport, as opposed to in uh, in the National Football League or Major League Baseball or something where where if your team is doing well, then they jump on the bandwagon. So so the 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 biggest area and the third type of fan is people that go because it's fashionable, people that go because it's cool, people that go because it's an event, and and they don't even at the at the end of the day they just want to be entertained don't really care who wins or loses as long as they're incredibly entertained. 
And and that's a, uh, you know, and obviously an event like uh, the Ryder Cup is incredibly fashionable. However, they do care who wins and loses in that <laughs> one. But but it becomes, but but you know the when you when you look at when you look at all of the big sporting events and all of the all the sports that do really well, it's a fashionable place. It's a cool place to be. And I think that we definitely need to spend some more time on what I call game day. You know, American sports, they, they, they do it so well. And, and I was saying to the guys here the other day, I was at the, uh, the NBA game here in, um, in London uh, between a, uh, uh, the Pacers and the Nuggets. And, and I was with a couple of people and they went, wow, this is pretty entertaining. I said, yes, because the minute the play stops, there's something happening. There's music happening. There's people throwing things in the crowd. There are cheerleaders. There's guys bouncing on trampolines, slam dunking it. It's all about entertainment. It's not just a basketball game. It's a sporting event. It's an a happening. It's an event. It's something that's fashionable. It's something that's cool. So why can't we look at being more entertaining in, in, in golf events? So it's something like when we put music on the range last, last uh, couple of weeks ago and after that, you know, the players players liked it, the players enjoyed it. But what really range has is an incredible opportunity to be a spectator uh, activity that is incredibly cool. Because you've got now you've got these guys hitting the ball out into 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 space and it's just incredible to watch them. But why not have some music there? Why not have some entertainment? Why not have why not make the range a key place for not only the uh, the the players to uh, uh, to showcase their talent, but why not make it a little bit more entertaining? Why not you you listen you go to an NBA game and you see the warm up and you know they're still throwing things in the crowd and the players are concentrating the players are are going through their warm up it's no different in golf and I think that's what that's what I mean Shane I say I say yes. It has to be more engagement with the with the players, but it has to start with that whole mentality of entertaining. And and just just look at it again. I, I, I it's 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 not every it's not every week that the uh, the event in Phoenix in your uh, in your home uh, state, uh, but it was uh, it was an incredible event and it was a great spectacle that engaged a whole bunch of people with our great game. Yeah, a, a friend of mine once said about the, the the Waste Management Phoenix Open, it, it's a line I always tell people when they say they're going to come, it's the only golf tournament in the world you can go to and not see a single blade of grass. You know, it's an event. I mean, people here start to ask about tickets in January, you know, I mean, a couple of months before the thing kicks off. So, you know, I mean, I think definitely where you're headed is down the right way, right alley, especially in 2017. And And I was wondering, you know, as someone, you know, on the European tour side of things, do you feel like your mentality, um, your approach, and where you're going with this could almost bring more young American players your way? I mean, a little bit like Brooks Kepko or you know somebody like Peter Uline who used the European tour as a way to get into professional golf. Sure, and Peter Uline is still you know he's he's still here on the European tour and he's playing very well. And Brooks has obviously had a great career and played really well this year at Hazeltine in the Ryder Cup. Um, yeah, I I, I think that. Uh, the players are so global now. It's it's uh, and the, and the best players in the world are global global players. And and for us and for uh, for some of the other tours, you just need to showcase the diversity of of some of the great places that you can play in. Like here I am in 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 Perth, Australia, and and you know it's thirty five degrees with no humidity, and it's just an absolute 
brilliant spot and a brilliant place to uh, to come uh, to come and play. Uh, and and I, I think there is no question that it is uh, uh, that the younger players, whatever nationality, just want a pathway. They just want a pathway to to uh, to success and 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 a pathway, to be honest with you, to the majors. Uh, they love. How, however, that pathway to the majors, there's many different ways to come through it. And the, and in order for them to excel on the world stage, then we have to provide great environments for them to get comfortable and confident in. And and I think that we can do that here at the European Tour. There's no question that that the competition that we have, the players that we have, um, you know, we play so many different golf courses and so much different uh, different weather. Uh, it's uh, it's it's no doubt uh, one of the reasons I think the uh, Europeans have been so successful in the Ryder Cup. Well, it, it's been fun kind of watching it evolve, and I think obviously starting in Perth, Australia, it's been really cool. I got a couple of quick hitter ones. I know you got to go here in a few minutes, but I wanted to ask you a couple of quick ones. Yeah, yeah. First things first, what's been the biggest perk of the job to date? And and you can say you can say, you can yeah you can say you know you got to play here, you got to play there. You could say it's being friends with the players. I, I'll accept any of the answers. Uh, biggest perk, biggest perk. Uh, well, you know, no, I, I, I don't, I've, I've had a pretty privileged career and I've had a lot of great opportunities, <laughs> but I would say, um, the biggest perk was, uh, I don't know if this was a perk, but it was a, it was a great honor was to have my 13 year old, uh, caddy for me in the DP world, uh, pro-am and we were playing with Martin Keimer and, uh, and finally, uh, Martin said to my boy at the uh, on the 18th hole, he said, "Come on, you uh, take your dad's clubs and you play the last hole." And it was, uh, and then at the end of the day, they had a shootout for the closest pin, and Martin hit it eight feet, and my boy hit it two feet. And <laughs> Martin had to go get him a coke. So nice. I, I think, I think, I think, you know, like the the perk for me, I guess, is to. Uh, to share some experiences with my uh, with my family. I guess that would be the uh, that would be the best perk. Which player has tried to toss the the most ideas your way since you've taken over? Oh man, these are good questions. Um, oh, the, hmm, who's the player that has tried to? Well, there's no question. I don't know if one stands out. I'm, I was thinking. I don't think one stands out. Uh, but they all, you know, as I said, golfers. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure working with the professional golfers and they certainly have strong opinions and they certainly have a number of different ideas, uh, but it is, uh, uh, they have strong opinions. There's no question. That, that is, that is a great way. I, I just want to say that is a great way to paint that picture. And I'm glad, I'm glad you went down that Avenue. I'm sure they all have very interesting opinions on the way that the golf tournament should be run for sure. Uh, it's, 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 it's great. It's great fun. It's great fun just saying, "Hey, listen, what do you think of this? What do you think of that?" Well, I think we should do this. Uh, you know, that's. But that's great. That's what you want. You know, at the end of the day, this is their tour. You know, we're 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 all working for them, and uh, and and we want them to shape it, and we want them to be part of it. And I just said to them, "Listen, we're going to do a lot of things that perhaps you think are crazy. Just uh, uh, you know, bear with us, and we'll work through it. We'll make some mistakes, and as long as we make more right ones than wrong ones, we're going to do okay." And at the end of the day, we're going to try to make you bigger, bigger stars and make you more money and uh, have fun along the way. So, um, yeah, no, they've been, they've been great. Working with the, uh, the, the professional golfers is, uh, 
is really a, a ton of fun. Yeah, and you don't have to name a player here, but I just want to ask, is there one idea that you would consider the strangest one you've heard yet that really stands out? And again, you don't have to name the player, but just an idea that's crossed your crossed your desk. Yeah, the, yeah, the ideas come, they're, they're coming at a feverish rate now. <laughs> so the... Um, the the last the last idea was we need to play like a twenty four hour tournament uh, straight. Each team has uh, is made up of six guys. Uh, you're only allowed two hours sleep in a row. You got your your. I said, where are they sleeping? The tents? Yeah, it's like the Ragnar. It was, it's it like was, the Ragnar race or something. Yeah, I said. <laughs> I said, so we're going to play for twenty four straight hours, and you're just. I said, okay, so you'll captain one. I won't say the player. You'll captain one of the team. And who are you going to get to play in your team? <laughs> and and it, but it would be it'd be an incredible event. It'd be a lot of fun to be honest with you. Yeah, the Iceland so Open probably, or something. It'd have to be a it'd have to be a yeah. place that had light all, all all year round. I don't know. You could play under the lights, right? <laughs> you could, yeah, play twenty four hours. So so you got to wake somebody up at three in the morning. Say, okay, you're up now. Right? Hope, so hope, hope that you was, your coffee. That, I like that, that idea. Was a, that was one of those uh, one of those ideas where you go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll look at that for sure. We'll look at that. Yeah. Well, you're 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 Canadian, so I had to ask. Uh, how much of the Adam Hadwin '59 were you able to catch, and did you get to catch any of it live? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, uh, and I've been meaning to uh, to email Adam because uh, that's a that's an incredible feat, obviously. Uh, but no, I only saw it on uh, on tape. But it was uh, anytime you can shoot '59. There's a couple of guys on our board that have shot you know, 27 and 29s on front nines. And, and, uh, I said, but that doesn't matter because that's only nine holes. You can't count a nine hole score. I said, uh, but to shoot 59 is great. And, uh, yeah, it was exciting to, uh, uh to see how to, how to do it for sure. Yeah. And my last thing is, um, on the heels of the zany idea you told me from a player, here's, here was my one idea, my one toss to you at some point, maybe for 2020 or 2025, uh, they should do I, this. Should, at, I get, they, should I get my? Uh, oh, oh, I'm should, sure. I'm I get sure. My stand, stand, <laughs> should I get my standard answer ready? Yes, absolutely. You I'll need get to my have standard that, answer ready. Have it ready okay. and polished. Okay. I think that's a really, Shane. I think that's a really good idea. You know, and we'll uh, we'll definitely look at that and we'll get back to you. But thanks very much. Appreciate it. Perfect. See, there you no, go. So that go was perfect. I loved it. Um, okay, so they do so this. What's at, the idea? They do this at Band and Dunes, and it's called the Summer Solstice, and it is a 72 hole event on the same day. So you have to get play. It's an endurance test. A player plays four rounds of golf on the same day, the longest day of the year, June twentieth, and it is about endurance, weight of the bag, shoes you wear. It's not just about the score. So it's not sleep. It's not a six-team race for twenty-four hours. It's one guy, seventy-two holes, longest day of the year, and let's see who can uh, who can endure it and play it and play it the best. See that? You know what, Shane? That's a really good idea. Leave that with <laughs> us, and we'll get back. No, sure. but. Uh, that's it. You know, I'll tell you, that's, uh, that's an, that is an interesting concept. Obviously, the player would have to be in incredible shape and would have to be young. And, and you know, because there's, there's no doubt the way that the club head speed is, is happening now and, and the, the toll that it's taking on their body, 72 holes, is, that is a massive endurance. There'd have to be a lot of knockdown shots that were hit during that day. Yeah, no, no uh, win. No probably, win. That would be the hope. Yeah, it would be fun. It would be, be it would fun. be something, Keith. Yeah. I really I really appreciate your time. Uh, congrats on all that's happening on the European Tour and much success. Uh, hopefully, I'll catch up with you a little bit later this year. Excited to not just see 
you know, what wraps up in Perth. But I'm excited to see the golf sixes. I think it's going to be great. Ah, thanks, Shane. Appreciate it. All the best now. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. Just a quick moment to tell you about OGO. If you're planning a golf trip soon, the last thing you want is to put your precious clubs in anything less but the best travel bags out there. OGO's straight jacket travel bag has a padded top to give those clubs a double dose of safety, and the urethane wheels make it roll like the ease of a big, easy eight iron. The last thing you ever want is to get to a destination for some golf and have your clubs all banged up. Check out OGO's straight jacket travel bag and more at OGO.com. And that'll do it for this clubhouse. Uh, many thanks to Keith Pelly. I know he was really busy in Perth, Australia, so I, I really appreciate him taking some time to chat with us just about the, the, the ever-evolving and changing European tour. A lot of fun things happening over there. Uh, big thanks to OGO. Big thanks to you. Make sure you sign up for that newsletter so you get a chance to win that Callaway Epic Driver. Make sure you send in your picks to at the Clubhouse Pod on Twitter. Who you think is going to win the Honda Classic will be giving away a Clubhouse koozie. Hey, listen, it's not a million bucks, but it'll keep your beer a little bit warmer or colder, really, depending on what climate you live in right now. Uh, always appreciate it. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe, write a review, do all those fun things that help us out over here. Many thanks to Ogio. Have a great week. We've got a lot of fun golf happening. We've got a fun Honda Classic as the Florida Swing gets going, and we are nearing Augusta National and the Masters. So it's been a fun 2017 already, and it's going to be a fun one as we continue. Get out and play some golf this week. Make some birdies. See you guys.